Well, hello world, and welcome to Confluence, the lifestyle where confidence meets influence. I'm your host, Charlie Marcole, and I'm so glad you joined in today. We will talk about so many exciting things, so stay tuned. I'm so happy you're here. What's up, Confluencers? Welcome back to another episode of Confluence, the lifestyle where confidence meets influence. This is a playground to connect a community of women where we use our gifts, skills, and talents. I hope all is well in your world and you are doing something positive and productive. Happy August to you. I am fresh off a vacay from Mexico with my OGs. OG stands for Original Girlfriends or my homies from junior high and high school. Yes, we took our passports and we ran for the border and we took a chance. I'm not talking about Taco Bell, y'all, but Cancun and Playa del Carmen. Let me tell you something. Mexico was not with the foolishness. Here's my personal opinion. They are actually taking stronger precautionary measures to make sure the virus is contained and it does not spread. We had to look into thermogenetic devices that gave the checkpoint if we can go on to enter into certain restaurants. We had to take our temperature in order to do certain excursions, write it down with your government name, not your monthlier, honey. Not your play name, honey. Not your Instagram handle, honey. But your government name. We had to sanitize our shoes. They washed our feet. And wait for it. Wait for it. We had to break the seal of the hotel room. So after the maid would clean it and sanitize it, they would put like a sticker on the door. And we had to break it. Honey. They took no chance. And I understand why, because Mexico thrives off of tourism. And I felt like a queen. So the swim bar did not exist. They had to actually bring it to you. You know what I mean? Like on trays. And so, you know, you would tip them. And, you know, the American dollar goes far in Mexico. But I released the trouble that had been following me. I needed that vacay. Yes, I did. I flew spirit and spirit is like soul plane, but even you couldn't remove your mask unless you were eating and drinking. So, you know, your girl be thinking like, I need to get a breath of fresh air. Okay. And I bought a muffin and some coffee in order to remove my mask while I was actively, check that out eating and drinking. So they are actually taking strong measures to make sure that people are staying safe. So if you need to move around, then move around. I reflected on all things, things I never knew and some things that I did, but I had a spiritual awakening in Mexico. I love to travel, like traveling opens my mind. I don't know if it was the seagulls flying above or the water crashing on the shore, but I laid my troubles down to study war no more. I am in recovery and I'm on a path to healing. And there's something spiritual about water. I've shared with you before on this podcast that water can kill, but water also cleanses. And I had a cleanse. Mm, I might share the video on my social media, but I had a cleanse and I went in with the weight of the world in my heart, right? Because it's some things that we don't share, you know, those personal private pains that we are internalizing. So I had some weights that I was carrying, but I walked out better, renewed and revived. So I went into the liquidy grave and I came out fresh and anew. I hope you had the opportunity to listen to last week's episode with V. Sebastian Moore, Counseling for the Culture. 
I absolutely love him and his energy. If you listen, you can tell we cut up every time we get together. I know 2020 is hitting a little different, but all is not lost. I still meet and connect with guests doing dope things. Life is truly what you make of it. And my guest today is still chasing dreams and released a book in the middle of a pandemic. She is a unicorn, a lover of light and life, and she represents H-Town. Ladies of Confluence, let's welcome and whoop it up for Liara Tamani. Whoop, 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 whoop. Hello. Hey, 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 hey. How hey. are thou? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Girl, trying to just maintain and sustain. That's it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I feel like these are interesting times. Um, I know just recently, just I feel like I'm just getting my feet underneath me and you know, walking, <laughs> walking kind of into the future with some steadiness. But yeah, it's, it's, these have been some interesting times. I too have been trying to, I guess, unpack some things, get my um, bearings again, mm-hmm. um, coming off of the death of my most valued confidant in my life my grandmother Mm, sorry to hear that yes and I'm like just like the name corona I'm gonna come out wearing a crown Mm -hmm. this this has to be something major Mm -hmm. so yeah I understand yeah 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 sorry death is always hard to process and you know kind of heal from and you know take whatever you can to move forward with yeah Yes. Um, yeah. In these times, it's like so much is changing and we're spending so much time at home. And I, I know I am, at least I work from home generally, but now it's like I'm home all the time and my child is home. So it's hard for me to work. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, but just creating, you know, we relied a lot on school for creating rhythm. I know rhythm, um, has a lot to do with the happiness you know, and the grounding you kind of feel in your everyday life, at least for me. Um, and so we kind of have to start creating our own rhythms um, for our own, to create our own sense of grounding and kind of structure and stuff. And it took a while to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. Creating the rhythm. Yes. Because I live my life in semesters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fall, spring summer I live it in semesters and so everything is starting to melt together but I just I'm here for it Mm -hmm. yeah well tell everybody who you are we just started talking and tell everybody who you are and what you do okay yeah my name is Liera Tamani um I am an author I live in Houston I have two books um both of which are based in Houston. Um, My first book um, is entitled Calling My Name. And it's about a girl growing up in a very religious family, but also a very loving family. And it's her journey to find her own sense of spirituality. That came out in 2017. And I have another book that just came out uh, June 9th of this year, so just like what last month, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just it's just very recent, and that is about um, they kind of pitch it as the modern day love in basketball, but it's a it's the love story of two Houston area high school basketball players. So that's me. Um, so yeah, trying to get into this groove. Now I'm working on book three. Um, I think I can really talk. I don't think I can say too much about that, but. I'm working on that um, and trying to get in the groove with that. So 
Um, and it's for me, I'm always happier when I'm in a writing groove and um, with yeah. being home with coronavirus and promoting um, my book, all the things we never knew that just came out. I didn't have much time for writing. Um, you know, with the kids, being at home with the kid and, and, and especially trying to homeschool and all that <laughs> and writing and just having her, you know, her here, it's, it's hard to write with her here all the time. Um, so I usually get most of my writing now and when she's at her dad's house. Um, but yeah, so it slowed me down for sure. Um, but I'm finally getting into a groove with it and it makes me happy. I'm, I'm happier when I'm writing. Um, Listen, you yeah. know, I understand, sis. You, you <laughs> yes. know, I understand. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Mm-hmm. But, so how did this writing journey start? Yeah. You know, I feel like I, I've, I've always loved writing and I've always loved reading, but it took me a while to get on the path because uh, growing up, I was like a people pleaser and I did what I was told. And I was told that I should be a lawyer. And so that is the path that I was on for a long time. And um and I ignored the part of me that really loved writing, you know, until I got all the way. I, I went to law school, got into Harvard Law, went for a year, dropped out. Um, and only then did I then I had more time for reading for pleasure and more time for, you know, just space to explore yourself. You know, um, I was uh, working. I had started a design business after I left law school. And I was, you know, sewing and creating and I was just in a more creative space. And when I, w when I was up one night, I was sewing and, and I took a break from sewing and just started writing. And I was like, wait a second. Wait, this is this is like my first love, this writing thing. You know, it's just like I was really introduced to something that was just such a big part of me that I had suppressed or ignored for so long. And from then I just started taking classes. Um, I was living in L.A. at the time, so I was taking classes at UCLA Extension, writing class here, there, like, you know, just one at a time. And then from there, I got my master's. Um, I got an MFA from Vermont College. And um, it was when I was in that program, that master's program, that I wrote my first book, Calling My Name. And mm. then um, it took me a while to sell it because it was not it didn't fall into any one box you know they like things to fall into boxes for, <laughs> for you to sell stuff but then you know once it did once I did find an agent for it it sold right away you know so it took me a while to get an agent I should correct that it took mm -hmm. me a while to get an agent but then once I got an agent it went like within a week um, I got a publisher and that publisher not only bought calling my name but she bought a second book she just bought a second YA book, you know, about anything. She just left it up to me what to write. And then, then you go, then you got all the things we never knew. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, wow. That's been wow. my writing journey. Um, you know, lots of rejection along the way. And I always like to say that because people, um, you know, I could have stopped you know, I, you know, I think, you know, even for me to get my first short story published, I was probably rejected. I got, you know, well over 100, probably 150 rejections before even I wrote my first short story. And so I like to say that just, you know, especially in this artistic field, you know, writing, you have to get you hear a lot of your no's before you hear yes. And if you stop, you know, you can just sell yourself short. You know, if I would have stopped after my you know after hearing no 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 because then once you get one yes then everybody want to tell you yes you know <laughs> right it's just getting that like one i yes. just need somebody to take the chance like yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bet on me but you need to bet on me yeah. and take the chance you're right yeah, yeah. uh-huh yeah. So. so how did you go about finding the agent like did you like google agents literary agents um what did you do to go about finding an agent? Yeah, there, um, I was reading the back, you know, just picking up books I love or picking up books I like, you know, a lot of times in the acknowledgments, people will shout out their agents, um, researching at the time, Googling, um, and then just 
you know, querying. So, you know, you write a query letter, a query letter, you know, is basically a pitch of your book, but in a very, in one page, you know, one page pitch of your book, you might say, Hey, I read this other book that you age in it. And, um, and I really liked it. And he, you know, I thought it was similar in this ways. You may compare your books to other books out on the market and you say, you know, where you've been published, if you've been published anywhere. Um, and, you know, you have to research and see what agents um, require while you're querying. You know, some agents are like, hey, I want three chapters. Some agents are like, send me the whole manuscript. Some agents are like, send me a synopsis first. And so you, you know, following all these kind of rules and you just go through submission, you submit and submit and submit. And um, initially my, my first book um, calling my name, it, the character, the protagonist, her um, age range is 12 to 17. So she starts off 12 and she ends at 17. And for the young adult market, um, they like very short age spans. They don't cover that much time because they're like, well, where does it go on the shelf? Does it go on the shelf for a 12 year old? Does it go, a 17 year old won't want to read about it. You know, they have all these rules. And so I had a hard time finding an agent for it. And so I f tried for a couple, like a year solid probably. And then like, I was like, forget about it. And I like, you know, I was living life. I was, you know, doing other things. I had a baby, got a divorce, moved three times, all the stuff. And then um, I started writing on another book once I got settled again. And I was like, wait a second. I have this one, this other book that is still, you know, not sold and unagented. Let me try one more time. And then that time, um, after just one round, and I say a round, a round may, usually includes about 25 submissions um, to, um, to agents or whether it's a two literary magazine or to whatever. And that time um, I got three offers from agents. So it was a completely different uh -huh. experience. And then the agent I chose sold my book, you know, I want to say it was like four or five days. It was so quick, you know, and a lot of times that process, even once you get an agent, they can take a year to sell your book. So it went so fast after it had been so slow and grueling and then it went so fast. So, but you know, everybody has different experiences. If you talk to different authors, it's like, you know, they all got to where they are lots of different ways. Everybody has a different story, but um, yeah, that's, that, that's my story. How, how, how I got to where I am and, you know, but it's like, you know, it's not, it's not like I've arrived. I don't feel like I've arrived at all. You know, I'm still working to get more book contracts, um, to write more books. And, you know, hopefully when all is said and done, I'll have, you know, dozens of books out there. So yeah, still working, still, still working. You know, I can relate wholeheartedly. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm an author as well. And, I, I tell people I write to save my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my journey, usually how I start writing, um, even from childhood, I started writing because I was hurting about something. I could not express it with my mouth, but I could surely express it with loose leaf pages and a number two pencil. <laughs> and, yeah. and that, you know, and it never judged me. Like I, it never came back. It never, you know, talked back to me or say, that's stupid. Or you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was never judgmental. Yeah. It was the most freedom I've ever experienced. And when, um, you know, like I've been published in high school and two little things, but it really, this really started with this divorce. And you just mentioned divorce mm -hmm. and that journey of divorce of, Help me say, hey, listen, instead of busting the windows out of your car that he's driving, <laughs> don't even let him start out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, what has your journey taught you? Yeah, no, I would definitely say, you know, I'm the same way. You know, we all have these lives and we all have these experiences that leave these deep impressions you know it's like these things that have made us feel very very deeply and so I take those things that have made me feel very very deeply 
and I create fiction around those emotions. And so the the no matter what the story is or the fiction is, it's universal because we've all experienced these emotions, right? And so it's mm-hmm. not no book is it's not my life, but it definitely is inspired by um, my life and the things that I've gone through. With calling my name, you know, I grew up in Houston, Texas, in a very religious family. You know, um, we was at you know church service at least one every Sunday, at least one, sometimes two, three. You know, Bible study during the week choir rehearsal during we lived at church you know in the summer mm-hmm. you know went to you know baptist conventions baptist the summer, union all of it yeah like all i told it. somebody the other day black people we didn't have you know summer camp it was vacation bible, bible school i went to my yeah. cousins i went to yours i went to the neighbor across the street Greenville. yeah and we went to like <laughs> national Baptist conventions. We always traveled in the summer to go to these conventions where, you know, churches and people from all over the country came. So in, and from a young age, I had, um, I had questions and doubts about religion. Um, but those questions and doubts were, were answered with, you know, you can't have questions and doubts, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or you'll be going to hell. So stop mm-hmm. with all that. And um, it, it, to me, it, it, it scarred me in a way because I wasn't able to seek for myself or seek any kind of knowledge or seek any understanding without the fear of going to hell, you know? And so it took me getting out of my pain. I was not like Taja, my, you know, Taja kind of, you know, comes to, a, you know, a spiritual um, path that is her own in high school, living in her house with her parents, you know, that it took me getting out of my house, you know, out of my parents' house and into the world with myself to develop um, a sense of spirituality that worked with me and that resonated with me, you know, but I wanted to write the book for, you know, other teenagers that I know I'm not the only one that had that experience. A lot of people talk about the trauma of religion. Of course, you know, religion is a sense of faith that, you know, brings a lot of healing and hope to a lot of people. And so, a lot of people have that experience with it, but for a lot of other people, it has, it has been a source of trauma, you know, real trauma, you know, um, emotional trauma. And I, um, I wanted to write about that. And it's not only, you know, with religion, but, you know, there's all types of familial expectations that, you know, people place upon their kids, community expectations. It's like, you, you need to do this right here. You need to believe this way. You need to think this way. You need to do this because that's what we do as a family, or that's how we believe as a family, or that's what, how we are as a community. But when, you know, people, even teenagers, even though they're living in the house of their parents, they do have a sense of self. And when that sense of self and that inner experience is, is in, um, you know, is in opposition with the way that you're being raised, it can be a problem, you know, especially when there's no kind of flexibility or there's no kind of understanding. Nobody is trying to hear what you have to say, you know, nobody, (laughs) then, you know, it can be a problem for teens. And so, you know, always, you know, when I'm writing for teens, it's in my mind, you know, to encourage teens to be themselves. And it's okay to listen to the voice inside of your own self, you know, hence calling my name. That's the title, calling my name. Listen to that self inside of you calling you. And 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 that is wisdom. You have your own internal sense of wisdom. You know, it's great that you can seek wisdom outside of ourselves. And yes, parents a lot of times know more than we do um, on some things. And But even parents don't know it all. Teachers don't know it all. And so in this life, I feel like you are your your best guide in life you know and teenagers need to recognize that in themselves and recognize their own power because not a lot of people are telling them that everybody is too busy trying to get them to do the thing they want them to do and not enough people are telling them hey you are very powerful you know hey you have your own sense of internal wisdom hey listen to that you know listen to yourself so Yes, my, you know, and then with my second book, All the Things We Never Knew, that's also kind of personal, personal in ways that probably, you know, I won't, I won't really get all the way into, but um, I've known people, I will say that 
have just, I've been in relationships with people who are hurt and mm-hmm. hurting. And I've been in, and those people who are in relationships who are hurt and are hurting, they, they, they hurt, hurt people, hurt people. You know? Hurt people. hurt. And so, and you, it's so cliche, but it's, it's so, so true. It's so true. Yes. And so, um, and, and it's important to recognize that on so many levels as the, as, as a person, if you have experienced a hurt or if you are hurting, it is important to address that. It is important to be aware of that, you know, not push it away and just be like, oh, I'm good. I'm straight. Oh, I don't need to deal with that. No, because if you don't deal with it, it's going to cause you problems, you know, in not only your love life, but in life in general, it's going to cause you problems. And then two, you know, what I have to recognize as being, um, on, you know, in, in relationship with somebody who was hurt and hurting is, is that I, I cannot do that work for them. I cannot heal them. I cannot help them. You always think you can change and help and heal. Well, when I was younger, I did now I know better, but, um, they have to do that work for themselves. So, you know, you know, I learned that when I'm picking a partner now and I have a beautiful partner now, he is amazing. And, um, but I knew from my old experience, I was going to pick a healthy, happy person, <laughs> mm. somebody that did not have a whole bunch of unresolved issues because, you know, those, un- those unresolved issues, um, they cause issues in the relationship. It's not just like you exist. Your love is in a bubble and y'all's feelings for each other in a bubble. No, anybody you date, you're just, you're bringing all of your stuff, all, all of your stuff. You're bringing that and it's all up in the relationship. And so these are two teens all up. Yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these two teenagers are dealing their, their, their families are both going through a lot and they're in their families, households, and they're absorbing all of this and they're dealing with all of this and, um, and they're bringing it to the relationship and um, so, and there's a lot that they don't know that, that that's going on with each other's families. And as that unfolds, um, it creates conflicts and dramas. Um, but also, you know, it is a very sweet and tender love story too, you know, so there's a lot going on with it, with all the things we never knew. Yeah. Well, all the things we never knew. And that's what it is too. Like you're in this relationship and it's like you holding me accountable for something that I didn't even know, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know anything about that. I too write from, it's loosely based off of my life. I, I mean, I, I don't know who else to write from, but of course I add fictional pieces, change the cities. Um, when I became the best-selling author with Rashonda Tate Billingsley, and that story was in there, that short story that was in there and everybody read it. And they were like, you know, on one part of the story, I talked about how this p- particular guy when we, you know, finished our business, he went and washed the condom. And people were like, what? Where did you get that from? I was like, no, that really happened for real, for real. In my, of course, I changed the name to protect the innocence, but like it's loosely based off my life. That's mm-hmm. the only place that I got to start here because writing heals me. Again, mm-hmm. it doesn't judge me. It heals me. Yeah, It just yeah. helps me release what. Like, why did I break up with that boy? Well, let me go and talk about why I really didn't break up with him. That that real, and I can just get it out. I, I can just get it out. Mm-hmm. So I definitely understand about everything that you're saying. That's why I keep snapping. That's me snapping, girl. That's mm-hmm. me snapping. Like, you know, yeah, snap, snaps in a circle and the square. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... um. Writing is definitely therapeutic. It's, it's a way to express um, what we have to process in this life. I feel like everybody needs some kind of expressive outlet. Um, and I hope everybody, you know, out there has something they, you know, that they can put their emotions into um, and, you know, have them kind of, they don't dissolve or they don't go away, but there's a, it, they're a place, they're in a place that is other than just you. So they don't have to just sit up and be up in you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is, is writing is definitely a form of therapy. I'm very grateful that I have it. Um, I think it definitely keeps me sane and it keeps me well, <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, on this healing journey, what do you wish you would have done sooner? Like, I know we talked about writing, but 
you know, the ladies of Confluence, I, I created this platform because it's about lifting as we climb to connect the community of women by using our gift skills and talents. So I know I share, right? But in your journey to find that voice, what do you wish you would have done sooner? Yeah, I don't know if, um, I don't I don't know if I wish anything different, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. everything <clears throat> teaches you something. So if I didn't do something sooner, you know, something else came along to teach me something. And, you know, I learned from some, something from that and it may have come later, but then I gained a lesson in it. You know, I think, you know, my path, you know, I didn't start on the writing path until later in life. You know, I'm 43 right now. And so that means I, my first book didn't get published until I was 40, you know, then second book at 43. Um, and that, and there's plenty of people who start publishing much younger, you know, than that, but I'm, I'm okay with the life I've lived, you know, and I'm okay with those experiences. And I think those experiences, while, you know, um, those experiences inform me and who I am as a person and, and that informs what I put on the page, you know? So while I may not have been working on my writing, you know, I spent years as a yoga teacher, you know, and that gave me, um, really, um, a more of a, a connection, um, and a sense of spirituality that I created, um, my life just around, you know, I meditate now. Um, I actually actively practice kindness. Um, and I try to practice being present, you know, in life, you know, just being present to what I'm doing instead of always thinking about a million other things or whatever, just being present in the moment. And it sounds so cliche, all of those things, but I find, and gratitude is a huge one being, just being practicing gratitude is just, that's a, that's the biggest one. Um, Gratitude and presence, but all those things like, you know, kindness, gratitude, um, being present, um, and meditation helps with that. It's like, I don't know it. I'm glad I gave some time in my life to focus on those things. You know, mm. I also danced and I was, t- I taught dance, I, you know, and so I, I gave my time to myself to do that. It's like it, it in all those things. And, you know, maybe it's a winding path. Right. And if I would have went directly toward it, it would have been a straight line and I would have been there faster. Sure. I mean, that's definitely the case. That's facts. However, my winding path, you know, has created who I am. And, you know, me sitting here now, I can't say I would have changed anything because that means I wouldn't be, you know, my life may be completely different. And right now I can honestly say um, I love my life. You know, I love I, I am grateful for where I am right now. I'm grateful for, you know, who I have, who, who is with me. I'm grateful for what I'm doing. Um, um, I'm grateful for all the things. So I don't know. I don't know. I know it's like, you know, I don't know in terms of advice or I don't know what else, you know, I want to offer to the community something. Um, I mean, the biggest advice I would just say, if you want to be a writer or artist and whatever you're trying to do is just, you know, persistence. It's not just the working hard part It's working hard and, you know, keeping on going, but you have to persist, you know, when things don't go right or things don't go away or you get rejected in some kind of way and persisting and keep on pushing through that again and again and again until you get there, I think is, um, is a lot of times what it takes. Of course, you know, people get lucky breaks, you know, um, and I mean, I can even, what if it, I mean, part of it's, you know, that happens a lot of, you know, but most people, when you talk to them, it's like (laughs) they put in work, people put in work, you know, hard, hard work to get where they are. So, yeah. I appreciate it. Like I, I really do. Like I'm so inspired because I look up to you. Of course, I met you through a family friend. Um, and, but I, I follow your journey. I follow your path. Um, because I, look at you and say hey again lifting as we climb as she climbed I'm like hey I, listen sis I, I, I want to be where you are I'm behind you um because 
it makes all the difference. Like I, 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 you might not know this, but your mentor in my head, oh, you know, I'm up here listening. Like, okay, so I'm, I am doing something right. Okay, personal, yeah, okay, like yes, yes, you know, um, because I, I want to see you win. Oh, when you win, you. you know, we all win. So yeah, I, I just want to see you win. So yeah, just thank you for just being so transparent and sharing that like you know i i wouldn't change nothing you know slaves used to say that in the baptist church oh i wouldn't change nothing for my journey now lord like mm. no lord <laughs> you know <laughs> but that's real like because it made you who you are mm-hmm. so that that is beautiful so yeah wouldn't change nothing for it you yeah. know but that's just what that is yeah yeah i mean yeah, I feel like we all have to meet ourselves to like where we are right now, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and that should be the focus. I don't like focusing a lot of energy on what it could have should us because it doesn't do anybody any good. It's like, you know, where am I right now? And, and based on where I am right now, what can I do right now to um, to meet my goals and to create the life? you know, I want to create for myself. And so that is important too. It's like, I'm not only, you know, like have, I don't only have career goals, but it's like, what do I want my life to look at, look like, Mm -hmm. you know, how will I want to live, you know, and it is important to think about that. And so that you shape every decision you are making is creating and shaping your life, you know? Um, And so I like to think about that in my life in the largest sense possible, so that I make sure that my all my decisions, each decision I make is aligned with the life that I want for myself right now, going forward, you know, <laughs> or to, in 10 years. I like thinking of my future self. Now, I will think of my future self. I've always thought of my future self. You know, it's like even when I was little, I was like, oh, you want to do this. But girl, what your, what your future self think? I don't know what your future <laughs> self, you know. <laughs> What's some future self thing, honey? Because we will make that decision based off of right now, won't we? <laughs> right. But what's, what's your future self? You got to look out for your future self. Yeah, I, I've always thought that. You got to look out for that future self, you know, because she is going to be, look when she when you get to her, you know, she, she can't be like, now, nah, girl, come on now. You know, <laughs> did we really need that? Do we really need to go through that? You know, or no, or you should have known. I mean, cause it's one thing you, we live in our lives and you know, some things you don't know until, you know, you have to go and you have to live and you have to learn that lesson and get that lesson. But after you got the lesson, you know, there's no reason to keep on getting the same lesson over and over again. <laughs> no need for that, you know. So, yeah, you got to, you know, live and and try to do the best with what you know and the lessons that you have already learned. So, yeah. Wow. OK, so this is Confluence, the lifestyle where confidence meets influence. So my next two questions are about being confident Mm. and influential okay okay so what are you doing in your life right now confidently what are you rocking out I mean really writing (laughs) it's like you know I honestly it's like I struggle with the whole you know influencer part you know branding part of um of being an author i I going forward I and I don't know it's like it does sell books but really what matters is like you know the more books you write um the bigger your audience grows right because with every book you know audience finds you and then you have those built-in readers and then another book more people find you so the more books you write more and more people will find you um and I'm trying to grow the number of books I sell, you know, whether that's a lot of times just speaking to schools, speaking to libraries, um, because I am in that young adult space, the kid lit space. And I don't know, of course, you know, social media is a good tool and it has been really beneficial to me in helping me connect with other authors, you know, because people in the industry, authors are very influential, you know, and who gets invited to what book fest or, you know, yes. even <laughs> for blurbs or for this or for that. It's like, you know, um, however, 
I think that the usefulness of being on social media, um, it has a limit. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people go far above the limit, at least for me, for me personally, I can say it's like for me, it has a limit. And I, I've found myself spending way more time and investing time that I could be writing and writing books <laughs> and spending that time in that space unnecessarily you know? Um, and so for me, I, I need to change my relationship to social media because you want to be out there. Right. And it's almost an ego thing. It's like, Oh, you know, Oh, look at my in interview on NPR or look at my interview in the New York times or look at all my, you know, reviews and my starred reviews. Okay. It's like, I guess it, it is helpful for you to me to go on there and say, hey, look at me, because for people in the industry, um, some may not have seen it or, you know, it, it lets them know like, hey, oh, she has this and she's doing this or, OK, well, maybe I'll think about her for this or maybe I'll think about her for that. Um, but um, at the same time. It's like the NPR article is is gonna has a, a way wider audience than me. It's like has way more followers and it's gonna be seen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The New York Times has a way bigger readership than what I have on in social media. It's gonna be seen, and so it's like a balancing of like, is it ego? You know, why do you want? You know, and it's good to let people know what you're doing, but. I don't know if it's as necessary, you know, what's necessary is, you know, for me is getting out there and selling books, you know, and, you know, helping selling books. Cause I do have a big publisher. HarperCollins is a big publisher, but you know, it, it, it's a huge publisher, but it also has a, a, a ton of other authors. And so their marketing department is not dedicated to me. It's, it, it has a lot of authors. And so, um, and so, I, that's what I've learned in the past two years. I feel like I was dedicating too, too much time to social media and not enough time, you know, talking to schools and libraries um, and getting myself out there um, to do what I can. And so you have to there's so many different working parts that I feel like you can use to grow your brand or grow yourself um, as any kind of artist. And, you know, everything can be used as tools and you have to decide how to use them that in a way that works for you. And for a while, social media is just I. I don't have a good relationship with it. I don't like being on there. And so I have to learn how to have a, a relationship with it that works for me. And that's mm -hmm. one that it's not going to be, I'm not going to be forward facing and, you know, oh, look at me taking, because it turns into two like, oh, cute pick, cute pick, cute pick. It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, because, and that's what people like. That's what people like. So that's what people mm -hmm. do. But to me, it's like, as an artist, especially, I'm not trying to train my brain to do what people like and what gives me the most likes. It's just it's just not what I'm interested in doing. I don't want to get better at being liked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on here. I, I, I just don't. I just it's not I'm not into it, you know, and, and this is like, you know, for the people who use that platform to uplift themselves and they have a good relationship with it and they feel good about it. Go for it. This is no judgment. Everybody has a different relationship with everything. But this is just my experience. You know, um, it was not serving me. And so I have to, you know, sometimes I have to step back for it. And right, right now I'm actually in one of those phases. I'm on a, I'm on a step back. Let me because, you know, promoting when you have a new book, you got to go heavy on it. So, of course, I went heavy going on it um, with all the things we never knew just came out June 9th. So now I'm like trying to walk it back a bit and I'll get back on there. But, you know, in a way that is good for me, I can't be on there scrolling through it every day. You know, no, it's like Cause I, some people use that as the Bible. You know, some people use it like some people have contacted me and said, I tagged you in something on social media. So I haven't been on since this morning. And they're like, oh, because I'm, I'm with too much of anything is never good for you right like that's one of the premises that I live by and so I can't live by that social media I do what I do I try to make the content be of value 
right? And you're right. Like my content some days are fire, but because it's not a cute picture, you know, like, okay, 14 likes. I'm like, okay, well, I, I you know, I, I said some really good shit here. Like, yeah, okay. but people are, are not there. It's like in that space, it's like people are interested in what you have to say, sure, but it has to be framed in a way or the picture has to be, it's like good pictures in that, good pictures, especially when it comes to Instagram, um, are what get the most likes. And a lot of times it's selfies. And and so it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it it is, but you, it's like, I like the fact that you're like, you know, here's what I have to say and you put it out there. And I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to put something out there and not worry about the likes because you're like, this is what I have to say in this moment. And this is what I'm going to offer up. Boom. You know, and not worry about, you know, how many likes it gets. It's a, it's the, it's a like culture that makes everybody start doing the same things. It's like, that's why when you look at it, it's like, that's a t-shirt. It's like, if you start to tease, I'm not part of the like, the like culture. No, because then people, (laughs) everybody wants to get more likes. Right. So then everybody realizes what you do have to do to get more likes. And everybody does that, which ends up being the same thing. It's like, and so even with people who, it, it all starts kind of looking the same and feeling the same to me. I actually opened up a secret Instagram account with, you know, I'm not following anybody I know and nobody knows I have it except now I'm talking about it, but um, it's just artists. It's just artists and pictures of nature. And so I go and I open that just cause you know, sometimes you just want to break want something to look at and I get to see art and I get to see nature. It's like, and it's something like inspiring and it's uplifting and I get to, you know, it's something, art is something I want to learn more about too. Like, you know, who this artist is and who this artist is. And, you know, actually the next character I'm, I'm writing about is a painter. <laughs> so it might, it's, it has to do with that too. But yeah, it's um, a lot of people give it, a lot of people, most people I would say give way more to social media than they get from it. Uh, I'll just say that. And I know I, you know, but I have gotten a lot from it. I will say with the writing, it, it does connect you with other authors. It connects you with, um, with um, gatekeepers, as they say, they call them, you know, people, you know, who, who have, the, who have the keys, you know, it connects you with people. It makes you more visible. Um, and so I realized that, you know, spending less time on it will come at a cost you know, too, you know, maybe I will miss that. Maybe they won't think of me for this panel for, because I'm not on there as much. Maybe they won't think of me, you know, um, for this convention because I'm not on there as much. Maybe I won't get invited to speak in this classroom because I'm not on there as much. I realize it does come at a cost, but it's a cost that I'm willing to take for my own well-being because, you know, I, I want to write, you know, and I want to focus on writing. And then maybe later down the line, too, I might just hire it out, like contract it out so that, you know, I have a presence and it's visible. It won't be a social because it won't be me, you know, but I'll mm-hmm. be it'll it'll still give me visibility, you know. I got it. But. So tell everybody where they can find you so they can go buy your books and follow your journey yeah um you know I, I will say i'm on instagram but you just heard my relationship with it but there's plenty of there's a lot of i've been on there for now like a few years or you know maybe four years so you could see me get a sense of me against this or at least the sense that i present to the world you know um and but that's where i'll be if i have anything that's where i'll be now i'm on twitter too you know um just you know for work for the you know being an author so you can find me Lear Tamani those are both of my handles Lear Tamani works for Twitter and Instagram um if you really want to reach out to me or you know you know uh, and I'm doing school visits still zooms um and so um you can reach out to me through my website just leartamani.com um, and um yeah you know, both of my books, Calling My Name and All the Things We Never Knew are on sale wherever books are sold. Um, I would encourage you to order them from your local independent bookstore 
because um, they definitely need our help. Or so a black bookstore, um, you know, they definitely, um, you know, could always use uh, our support. And now there are plenty of lists out there with all of that that you can actually look up that, you, you know, support your local black bookstore or, um, but yeah, our, or a local bookstore. So go out there and do that. If you like my books, reviews always help because, you know, not enough people keep you review, relevant. you know, <laughs> reviews help, especially Amazon reviews. Um, a lot of people review on Goodreads or, you know, more people. Yeah. The, I think the kids are on there more and I write for kids. So, you know, but um, so but Amazon, every anywhere you can review is always a good thing. Leave reviews if you like um, the book and tell your friends, you know, if you, you know. If they dig a love story or think they would love a love and basketball story, say, hey, all the things we never knew. Yeah. It's like word of mouth does a a huge, it's like, it's really good for books as well. So, yeah. That's the best. That is the best referral. Word of mouth. Yes. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on to Confluence, the lifestyle confidence meets influence i appreciate you so much for taking out the time in your day to come and talk to me yeah of course thank you for having me uh, i enjoyed our conversation thank you i did too oh my god what an amazing interview thank you liara it was so heartfelt i felt your spirit You helped me more than you will ever know. And I am inspired for sure. Let me extend a hearty congratulations to you on the release of your new book. I am so proud of you, girl. And to be a part of a major publishing house that is beyond the universe. Ladies of Confluence, please go like, follow, and share in the journey. And go buy her book. You heard what I said, buy it. This interview was filled with so many nuggets, especially for aspiring authors. Yes, yes. And Liera, please continue to be a beacon of light in a world that is so dark. People like you are needed to lead the way. That's it for me this week. I'm off to see what good trouble I can find. I heard New York and Company is going out of business. And Lord knows their jeans make me feel so skinny because they have 3% Lycra. And I'm on my way. (laughs) Until then, be blessed and a blessing to others. See you next week, Confluencers. Smooches. Oh, yeah. Leave your girl a review. I told you before, reviews keep you relevant. Peace.